Welcome to This Week in Men's Abs. I'm TJ. Thank you for joining me. This is the season finale, and I thought, what better way to wrap up a gay podcast during the gayest time of the year than talking about gay Christmas movies? So I have got a couple Christmas elves with me. Uh, My friend Rachel is here to talk about a couple Hallmark and Lifetime made-for-TV movies, and Marissa is back to talk about The Happiest Season on Hulu. So I'm not going to waste any more time, and I'm just going to get right to the conversations I had with Rachel and Marissa. Rachel, thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. Happy holidays. You too. And tis the season for holiday movies, uh, as I mentioned on my last podcast, and no one in my life knows holiday movies better than you, I think, at this point. You, uh, I think, are my Hallmark move, Christmas movie expert? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, roughly, how many have you seen? I don't actually know the, the total number, because I've been watching these for like 12 years. So you figure I watch probably at least two a week when they run it. So I don't know, 40, 50. Okay. Now now they like pretty much churn these suckers out, right? Like they're, this is like a a machine, a factory for them. Pretty much. Yeah. They, they film them all in like six weeks, get them edited and they're out on the shelf by, you know, what, two months later. And, and they like, I noticed that all of, like, the posters look the same. The formula is sort of the same for all of them. Yeah, no, I would say that's fair. Okay. Um, so, this being my first time, I got very excited that there were a couple um, Hallmark... I'm going to use the term Hallmark as kind of a broad, all-encompassing TV Christmas movie uh, thing. Because we're, also, we're not just going to talk about a Hallmark movie, we're going to talk about a Lifetime movie. But they were... Because it's basically the same thing at this point, right? Hallmark Lifetime's more or less the same when it comes to the, the, the formula of Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. For so, Lifetime, their, their usual hallmark is that it's usually a nanny or cheerleader is trying to kill somebody. So the fact <laughs> that Hallmark movies or Christmas movies, everybody makes it through alive is a big step up for a lifetime. You're absolutely right. That's <laughs> so funny. So I, I would love that to be a Chris, like a, you know, the murderous <laughs> Christmas uh, movie, but. They can mesh genres and do that. I don't see why not. So I saw on Twitter that there were a couple Christmas movies this year that had, like, gay themes to it. So that's why I, like, wanted to enlist your help to talk about these movies. Uh, One specifically on the Hallmark Channel was The Christmas House, uh, which the plot of it, I think, if I can sum it up, is that there is a fairly successful actor, played by Robert Buckley, who goes home for Christmas because his parents, their tradition was to decorate their house that they grew up in to like the nines. And it was like the neighborhood Christmas fun house that everyone came to every year. It had been retired. They decided they wanted to do one last one, come to find out that they're going to get divorced. And this is probably going to be their last, or they're going to sell the house and this is going to be their last hurrah. Um, And the brother comes home as well with his husband and they're in the process of adopting that kind of sums up the the base level of the plot i think yeah yeah that's pretty good i kind of expected more of a gay presence in this movie other than the brother 
who, because of the way Twitter was responding, especially because the play, brother is played by Jonathan Bennett from Mean Girls, who is really handsome. Um, not as handsome as Robert Buckley, in my opinion, but still super handsome. Um, but their their storyline was very, like, tertiary or even fourth in, like, order of importance, because it's still a, a heterosexual straight couple finding love in a hometown. I, and I kind of had that thought when I heard what, because there was always that big, um, oh, they're going to have a gay couple. Oh, they're going to have a gay couple in one of the Christmas movies. So it was this big story. And then I found out which movie it was in. And it said it was part of a, um, it was like a small story within another. Like there were a bunch of different stories in one movie. And I thought, oh, of course, that's what they would do is they would kind of, they couldn't have it by itself. They had to group it with something else. Um, and it would have, you know, with the, the, the hetero romance. So I wasn't surprised that that was the direction it took and that they kind of took a back seat um, to to Robert Buckley's storyline in that. Uh, but then I also was watching um, Robert Buckley be interviewed on um, Hallmark's uh, Home and Family show. And he was basically saying, like, he helped, he wrote the story for this and it's kind of based on his childhood because his family did basically the Christmas house. Like, that was oh. his childhood. So that's where the idea kind of grew out of was was that and then i think they just saw it was a nice spot to like you know sneak in this little um gay romance um so that they could say oh look look how progressive we've become here's our our gay couple so i i, I saw it kind of from that so it wasn't it wouldn't go in with that was going to be their story i think they just found a story it worked with i think that it was overall like a very charming movie and robert buckley is actually very good in this. Like, I think he's doing some really good work. I think he's super uh, relatable. Um, he's fucking handsome. Um, but he's he's funny. He's like, he's really good in this movie. I know, I agree. And I, I love him and Jonathan Bennett together as brothers. I just thought their chemistry is like phenomenal as siblings. I think so too. Although... Uh, I do think that the guy who plays Jonathan's husband, uh, played by Brad Harder, he looks more like Robert Buckley than than Jonathan Bennett does. But I guess because Jonathan Bennett is arguably a bigger star, they had that that made more sense. But I think like looks wise, I I would see those two as brothers together. But yes, I for completely agree that they their relationship was was really good. Like, I bought it. Like, they teased each other. They had their sibling rivalry, even if it was a little contrived at times. But I think that, overall, they were very good, very believable as brothers. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd also heard both of them interviewed, and they had said that they immediately hit it off. Like, they didn't know each other before they filmed this. And they met, like, on the plane on the way there and became, like, best friends almost immediately. The problem I had, I mean granted like overall it's cheesy and it, it is but like you know you take that with a grain of salt the thing that made me like roll my eyes with the whole thing was like it was like this, so robert buckley's an actor his show is going to be canceled his agent or the producer of the show sets up a meeting with the network that happens on christmas eve it's like this in no way the whole business is shut down no one is going to take a meeting on christmas eve to save the show come on and this is this is where you're you're being new to Hallmark that you wouldn't know this, but that's one of the things that happens. There's always the big meeting on Christmas Eve that pulls the person away from like their family, the love interest, whatever, and then they have to like make the whole like you know this isn't where I should be. I need to to go be with my family, my friends, my loved ones, whatever it is. So that's pretty much a staple of Hallmark. So that's part of the formula. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, 
So then the other movie that I wanted to talk about was on uh, Lifetime. And it was The Christmas Setup, which is about a New York lawyer who goes home to Milwaukee for Christmas and through some shenanigans of his mother uh, end up like meeting up with a guy from high school that is has always been out uh, and now they're kind of like forced together to kindle a romance I wouldn't want to say rekindle because they never had one but like to kindle a romance that uh, may only last the holidays and in the process of setting up her gay son she's also sort of setting up her straight son with the gay son's best friend I know that sounds more convoluted than it actually is, but uh, yeah, I personally like this movie better than the other one, but also it was more of a gay romance because it was full on about Hugo and Patrick coming together. Yeah, and this is, this is where we diverge. I like the Christmas house better as a movie than the Christmas setup. Um, but, and I think I kind of said this to you, I think before when we were just, right after I'd watched it is, I just, I mean, I know they're married, but I had such a problem seeing Hugo and Patrick, like, being interested in one another. And it, that was what really, I mean, I think it was also the dialogue wasn't great, so that made it harder, but. Yeah, the dialogue wasn't terrific. I thought, so Hugo is played by Ben Lewis, who people may have seen on Arrow, and uh, Blake Lee played Patrick, who was on Parks and Rec. And... They're married in real life, now playing future boyfriends in this. Uh, I I really liked, I mean, I thought that they were kind of cute together. Like, it was cute to watch them flirt. Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it. But maybe I had a soft, I have a soft spot for this whole thing, obviously. Because uh, I always dreamed about falling in love at Christmas. And, you know, it is what it is. No, I love that we disagreed on this, actually. Yeah. Um... You gave me, you're giving me a different perspective to maybe appreciate it more than I did watching it by myself. Well, and also I was watching it and I texted you while I was watching it going, so is Hugo me? Am I, is this, is this me? Because I see myself saying some of these things and I feel like Fran Drescher is actually my mother in this movie. <laughs> well, no, it was funny because I hadn't thought that and then you said it and I was thinking about it and went, oh my God, that is TJ. <laughs> I mean, I th I happen to think that Ben Lewis is adorable, so I don't want to say that, like, maybe we look alike, but I just feel like, no, that I would have totally been in this situation. This would have been the, I would have fallen for these machinations on my mother's part. But not even fallen for it. Like, I feel like he knows what's going, he figures out what's going on pretty early, and he just kind of is like, well, this is my life, and this is what I'll be doing. Yeah. I do... I think it's hilarious, though, that you cast Fran Drescher in a Christmas movie, but you're not going to bring up the fact that she's very clearly Jewish from New York. And and even like in the the way she plays the role is that very stereotypical like Jewish mother meddling um, type of character. So a hundred percent. It was I had the exact same thought, but actually my thought was, wait, is she Jewish or just am I just being like stereotypical and thinking she sounds? Like a Jewish mother. No, no, no. I, you know, I did the same thing. And I just kind of wanted them to throw in like a little piece of dialogue where she was like, you know, I never celebrated Christmas growing up, but your father loved it so much. This town loves it. Like, I wanted it to be like she adopted Christmas because she couldn't help but get wrapped up in it. Like, but also be like, can we just acknowledge that there's like a menorah somewhere? Like, just someone bring up Hanukkah just once here. 
Do they ever bring up Hanukkah in a Hallmark movie ever? Well, they've had actually funny. You should mention that the one on, on Saturday night was all about Hanukkah. Um, oh, okay. Last year they had one where the one character was Jewish and talked about Hanukkah. But prior to that, um, no, I take that back. Actually, years ago, there was a one with Joey Lawrence where um, the girl in that was Jewish um, and he was and he was um, Christian. So they were pretending to be dating to go to each other's different holiday events. So like he had to learn about Hanukkah and she had to learn about Christmas. But and yeah, so unless there's like a character who's specifically Jewish and it's one of the main ones, usually they won't they don't mention it. Okay. So even though I did like this movie better, I, of course, had problems with it. Um, Especially it was like the whole last third of this movie I felt was really wonky. Like there was like a a whole lot of like, can we make this work? But I felt like they kept switching their points of view of like, oh, long distance thing can work. A long distance thing can't work. Uh, now Now one of them believed it, one of them didn't. And it kept like switching off. And I was like, can one of you decide what you want to do here? Well, no, and I, I got that sense, too, because it was all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, let's just enjoy all of our time. And then all of a sudden, I was like, nope, nope, we can't do this anymore. It was like whiplash. Um, yeah. It's like a natural thing, though, if, like, you think it can work, and the further you get into it, you realize it can't. And in the, you know, hallmark of all, no pun intended, um, romance stories is, <gasps> is kind of um, not wanting your heart broke. You know, like, re- that coming to that realization and, and just, you know, like, ending it. Because... You know, like I said before, you have to have the grand gesture at the end. That's what makes these movies, you know, what they are. So, you know, then um, Hugo has to go make the big gesture to Patrick to uh, to win him back. Sure. But I also feel like I the, the grand gesture was a little uh, muddied because it felt like the whole time they were setting it up to Hugo deciding he was going to leave New York and come back to Milwaukee. But now Hugo's going to London which is even farther away. And I was like, no, I don't, but you also, we don't get any kind of clarity. Like it just kind of felt like we're going to make it work. But like, but logistically though, like we need one more scene where you kind of are like, so are you going to stay in New York or are you actually going to go to London? You know, I just needed a little, just a little clarity. But I also kind of was thinking, is there ever a movie where like the big city wins? Like, does anyone from the small town decide they want to move to the big city to be with the person they love? Because that could have been an option too. Like Patrick, go to London. Yeah, there actually was one this year where it's not that she, she ends up in a small town in Alaska to find these like flowers and then get snowed in and can't get back to New York. Um, <laughs> in time. It's like, just, me, just get back in time to get these flowers to this big celebrity's wedding or, or whatever it is. Um, so she does go back to New York at the end. Um, sorry, spoilers for anybody who watches that later. Um, <laughs> he, but the, and the guy she meets there had had a career in New York as like a professor, um, I think, at, at one of the universities. And he'd kind of given it up. I think it's, I if it's like his father had died. Something had happened that had brought him home and he had just never gone back. Um, so it's kind of the big change for Hallmark was he leaves the small town to go back to the city to restart his career, but also to be with her. So that was one. And, and I do think what's been interesting the last couple of years in, in Hallmark movies in general, but I've seen it more in these Christmas ones, is the, at least the female character not having to give up like what she, what her dream is, like to be with the guy or vice versa. Like they kind of do more compromise. Um, but it was, there's this great line in Christmas with the Darlings with Katrina Law where she's a lawyer, she's, 
been working for this guy and he's, she's been helping him take care of his nephew um, and niece. And, but she's going off to start a law career. And at the very end, she's like, you know, don't send the kids, you know, to boarding school. I want to help you take care of them. And the guy says, you'd give up your, your job as a lawyer. And she goes, uh, no, I do both. It's 2021. You know, so like five years ago, no, she would have left her lawyer gig to be, you know, to be a nanny, basically. Um, so they have started to get more progressive in that regard, too. And that like women are allowed to keep their careers and have their romance. Um, but there have been a couple this year, even that like they do that. But then it's you, they end before like the logistical conversation comes in of like, you know, well, where are we going to live and what are we going to do with this? And um, and I kind of I told you before I kept comparing the, the Hallmark movies to Jane Austen novels. But they always say there's a reason in Jane Austen novels that they end before the wedding. Um, because if you look at her characters who are married in the book, they all hate each other. So like she always ends it before that part of the relationship can start. So that was, you know, I feel like that's how it is in Hallmark a lot of times. It like ends before anything can go wrong, before they have to have those tough decisions and discussions. That's true. You kind of want it to exist in this like fantasy world before reality sets in, like let them live in this like moment of romance. But you also earlier when you were comparing it to a Jane Austen novel, you were, because I, I said it's very chaste. Like, there's not a lot of affection happening. There's not a lot of kissing. Like, in the Christmas house, I don't think that Robert Buckley kisses uh, the girl he's trying to woo, like, until the end. And then Hugo and Patrick have two, literally two kisses in this entire movie. And it's like, you mean to tell me that these two who are really into each other, like, don't make out before they say the more Northern Lights? No, I'm sorry. I do not believe it. No, you're absolutely right. But it is funny, going back real quick, I mean, I didn't count how many kisses were in uh, uh, Christmas House, but if they did get two, that's one more than most Hallmark couples get. So they really are uh, making progress. I, I don't remember. I wasn't, I don't think it was more than one. It may have been one. I don't, I don't remember, but I was paying attention in, in um, uh, the Christmas setup that there was only two. Yeah. Um, which again, doesn't surprise me um, just because, at least for their, I mean, Lifetime normal movies, yeah, you'd see that, like, throughout. But our Lifetime Christmas movies, most times they're a lot like Hallmark in that, like, that's saved for the very end because that's the big, like, you know, um, romantic scene. And that's usually then, that usually ends the movies, too. Yeah, I liked in, what I did like in the Christmas setup is that the, the romance between Maddie played by Ellen Wong, who I think is adorable. I think she's adorable in everything she does, but she was really, really cute in this movie. And um, Hugo's hot brother, Aiden, who's played by Chad Connell, who is so hot. Um, I like that that really did take a backseat to the other romance, which was kind of like, we've had enough of these straight couples getting together. This is adorable for what it is. It's great. But like, let's focus on the gay boys right now. So I really did appreciate that. Well, and I, what, I mean, I like, I loved her, um, but I did have that thought while I was watching it. It's like, even in, in this movie, that's this, you know, kind of marketed as this, you know, here's your gay romance for Christmas, that they couldn't let that be the only one. And it. it had to have another one to kind of balance it out. Even though, like you said, they get like a quarter of the screen time to that story, but just the fact that it even had to be there. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. I also was like, 
thought that there was going to be more of an explanation about why Hugo and Aiden don't seem to get along. Like when Hugo, when Aiden comes in, they have a weird, like not even broy handshake hug. It was just like an awkward, do we hug? Do we shake hands? I was like, what is the history between, between you two? I thought maybe we were going to get into this a little bit more, but it is very much like it happens and it's not forgotten, but we just don't bring it up again. Yeah, because then I was trying to figure out, did it have something to do with, like, when their father passed and there was some, like, bad blood there? Or was it, you know, kind of the, well, dad liked you better type of relationship? Again, like you said, you never really get an idea of what the relationship is and why it's like that. Yeah, which I thought they were going to get into in that one scene when they were in the the wood, the like, the wood shop in the garage, um, which sidebar felt really out of place i felt like it should have happened like two scenes before because that scene happens in the movie after patrick and hugo go on their date and they make out but then the dialogue in that scene between hugo and aiden is he's like uh he tell me about patrick oh he's out of my league i was like no that's not something you say about someone you just had a kiss with yeah it just felt like that didn't quite work. And there's also things in here that need to be unsaid. And he was like, well, we're going to talk about it when I get back with that slice of cake. It's like, no, no, talk about it now. Let us know why, why don't you guys, what, what is this animosity here? Yeah. And well, I th- explain with Hugo, like what his deal was in high school. Cause like, or why he was so insecure. I mean, you know, they kind of play him as like slightly awkward, but he went to law school and became a lawyer and was about to become a partner. So he must be like somewhat personable. Um, and yeah. But they, they didn't quite, and that's why I guess when you even, you know, you say like, oh, he's out of my league. I'm like, I'm sorry, the guy who works at his dad's Christmas tree farm is out of your league. Like, not to be totally snooty about it, but. Well, he did sell an app, Rachel. He did sell an app and was like, and retired at age 30 or whatever it was that they were trying to say. So. So because he was rich, he was out of your, but he must be wealthy too. He's a lawyer at a New York firm. Like, come on. I don't know. So, again, like, it would have been kind of interesting to at least get a little bit more on where his insecurity came from. And I thought we were also maybe going to get a little bit of a a shine into it because there was this weird moment that was, like, it happened so quickly, but it was enough to make an impression that when Aiden meets Patrick, who they must have gone to high school together, like, they had this weird thing when Patrick was, like, nice to, or Aiden's, like, nice to meet you, that it almost seemed like Patrick was going to be, like, we know each other, we went to school together, but I was like, there's history there. What happened? And not brought up again. This was like right before they went caroling, and later, a couple, like, minutes later, Patrick says something like, so your brother seems nice, and it was like, that's a leading. You're leading something in here to be like, so I knew your brother when he wasn't nice in high school, so maybe that was going to be why Hugo was, like, reluctant to come out, because maybe uh, Aiden was homophobic, or whatever, back in the day. I don't know. But like you said, these movies are not known for their dialogue and figuring things out because there was one scene that I wanted to bring up that um, it was the first time that Hugo rediscovers the wood shop in the garage that like he says, what's this like three times. And then Patrick comes in and says, what's this? And I think the mother or Maddie says, what's this? I was like, can you guys, is there another way you could say this where you don't have to be like, what's this? What's this? What's that? Come on. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you a question, actually, if we still have time. Please. Um, I'll get this out later if you want to. But I was just thinking, like, is it worth it to have a story with, a, like, um, the main story being, you know, a gay romance, if that movie is bad? Does it 
do anything to hurt future ones to be like, well, see, we can't air these because they're terrible and they got terrible ratings. And it's like, there's a lot of pressure on them. Not that these, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say these are bad movies. They fall into like, I would say there's three categories of Christmas movies. There's the absolute crap. Then there's the ones in the middle that are like, eh, you know, they're fine, but you forget about them. And then there's the ones you want to watch over and over again. And I kind of put um, Christmas set up like in the middle category. Like it's not terrible, but I'm not going to seek it out when, it, when they re-air it. Um, so yeah, I just had I, what you thought. I think it's important to make the movies. Yes, the quality, is, oh God, the quality is important too. Like, I think that these were good efforts. Um, it was there. It's an important story that needs to be told. Maybe they'll only get better from here. So I think the more effort that is made to make them is good. And we just got to keep our fingers crossed that the movie is still quality. Like, we need to make them. Would you say, like, we're off to a good start, but we still have a lot of uh, work to be done to make these more uh, marketable? Oh, for sure. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. The, there's not, like, a big history of gay characters in these movies, so I think any little bit of representation helps. Like, we need to start getting some, some trans storylines in here. Like, let's, let's, let's take these steps. They got to be in there. That, okay, let's just think of how long it took us to get two gay men to kiss in a Hallmark movie. I will tell you, though, that I, I do think, again, with it being fairly chaste, like, it would help if we got some of these guys to take their shirts off a little bit more. Like, why didn't Robert Buckley take his shirt off ever? Like, he comes down in, in his, like, old high school outfit where he's, like, filling out a, a child's small shirt. And I was like, dude, just take it off. Just take it off. Unless the movie takes place at summer. Nope. Oh, clothing always stays on? That is yeah. very disappointing. Yeah. I would, I would expect, honestly, to see more with Jonathan Bennett playing gay characters in Hallmark, because I think they already love him, um, and he's, like, I think he's such a part of like the Hallmark brand now, uh, which I didn't realize until like this came out and I started seeing him interviewed more. Um, so I definitely think, and because the Christmas house kind of came and went without any controversy. Um, I mean, I'm sure somewhere on the, the corners of the internet there were some trolls, but for the most part, it like I said, it aired and you didn't really hear anything about it. Um, you know, they had, I think in the promo, they had the, the scene of the, them um, kissing out in the front of the house. And, you know, there wasn't some, you know, call to boycott Hallmark. The reason all of this started on Hallmark and it became, and even on Lifetime, um, was over Million Moms. Because they had that one ad for whatever wedding site it was that had a lesbian wedding. And they got all up in arms because it was two women kissing. And oh my God. And they wanted Hallmark to pull it, which they did. That's going to be created a whole bunch of backlash. So Hallmark kind of backed away from that. And it's like, okay, no, we're going to be more diverse this year. And that's what spearheaded it. Um, so I think because, again, he's done other ones there and he's already so loved. He definitely did, did his part in moving these forward at, at Hallmark. So, you know, hopefully we'll see as they, you know, because it's not just Christmas that they, they have them out as a factory. They have stuff all year. Um, oh. Man, so, I don't think I can stomach all year round with this. So that's why I'm going to rely on you. Oh, see, but this is why, like, you pick your favorite actors and you just watch all of their movies. That's usually, unless they get wasted with, like, a bad storyline. That's fair. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you uh, posted if I see any more. Perfect. I appreciate that. Thanks, Rachel. We will revisit this conversation again in 2021, where you can be my liaison to the Hallmark community.
Marissa, it has been a minute. Welcome back. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well. Or is it the happiest season, Marissa? Oh, gosh. I, I know. I'm sorry. That was terrible. Uh, but that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about the happiest season <laughs> on, on Netflix. Uh, sorry, on Hulu. It is uh, an original holiday movie written and directed by Clea Duvall, uh, co-written by Mary Holland, who's in the movie, mm. about Abby and Harper, a lesbian couple from Pittsburgh. Is that right? This takes place in Pennsylvania? Where did I, I get- think so. I, the, the city that the, her parents are in is like vague, but they live in Pittsburgh. Right? Okay, I thought so. I was just making sure. Um, so they go to Harper's family's house for the holidays. Harper, who supposedly came out to her parents like years ago, uh, turns out she didn't. So this is going to be wackiness ensues with the, with the lesbian drama at home. Um, but she asks Abby to go back in the closet just for the sake of this weekend so they can, or for this week, so they can get through the holidays and then Harper supposedly will come out to her family. That's mm-hmm. basically the, the long and short of the plot, I think, kind of covers mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I really liked this movie. I kind of like a messy family drama at Christmas. Like I like the family stone, so it doesn't have to be all wrapped up in a bow. Like there needs to be a little bit of drama. So I kind of, I dug this movie. I like this movie too. I love hate this movie. Uh, there That's are parts fair. of it that I absolutely enjoy, especially as a lesbian woman. There are parts of it that I just, I scream. I find myself screaming at the television. Like, why would anyone do that? Well, I'm sure we will get to that um, mm-hmm. because that's going to be a big question I'm going to ask you later. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, it's, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, but like, I mean, I, I don't come from a big family, so maybe big family Christmases are never perfect. I don't know. Um, But, okay, so let's start with the stuff that we liked with it. I personally liked Daniel Levy as Kristen Stewart's best friend. His character is hilarious. He's great. Um, And he kind of comes, he enters the family drama at just the right time to kind of save her. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, but I also think he's got some really great lines, some really great insights. Uh, into what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's a yeah. well-written character. Yeah, I love him. I, uh, I personally think that Dan Levy plays himself in a lot of things, well, yeah, but of he's so lovable, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't, I, yeah, every once in a while I saw a little David Rose come out and I was like, oh, that's just, uh-huh. y- that's just you and I accept it, play on, sir. Like, just mm-hmm. do what you gotta do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but he's so charming in this movie. Uh, I think he I mean, I would love to see him, like, be uh, the main star of something very soon, but I think as, like, the best friend character, he does such a good job. I hope so. I, I, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really liked his little flirting with uh, Jake McDormand as well, who comes oh, in my as, God. as Harper's ex-boyfriend, Connor, who, like, her mother is trying to, like, set her up with as the movie uh-huh. goes on. Um, but, like, he shows up at the same holiday party, and he's, like, like, feeling his biceps, and I was like, well, Jake McDormand is fucking hot. So, yeah, I don't, under- I don't blame you. Do it. I know his his voice when he's like trying to be a straight guy. He's like, "How much do you pump?" I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't!" I used to laughing so hard. <laughs> it's very cliche, but I still, but it felt fresh in a certain way where I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is hilarious." I'm because it's also something that I would totally do. <laughs> I could see it. I could yeah. see it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna come back and talk about Connor a little bit later. Um, but before we do, I want to also bring up Aubrey Plaza is in this movie playing. Ugh, still my heart. Oh, Aubrey Plaza, who as she gets older, gets hotter. And I'm not, and I'm not attracted to women, but I think Aubrey Plaza is sexy in this movie. Sexy. I know. 
I know for for a lack of a better term, Aubrey Plaza, like the the longer her career goes on, just gets more and more BDE, big dick energy, even for though sure. she doesn't have a dick. Like it's no, just sure. she fills up a room, like or any scene she's in, and you just want to like be next to her. Like, ugh, like she, I just so drawn to her. I love her so much. And I know that her character on Parks and Rec was that drawl sense of humor, like she just, like monotone voice and everything. But I feel like she, I think that Aubrey Plaza felt like she had to play that in a lot of stuff in the beginning of her career. But now that she's allowed to put voice inflection into what she's doing, I think it's just like opened her face up. Like mm -hmm. her, 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 she just seems lighter when she's doing some stuff. And I think it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I agree. Uh, especially in this movie, she's just so like lovable. Like her smile and just like the way she interacts with Kirsten Sturt's character, Abby. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and I did, and later on, well, I mean, we're gonna talk about it too, but I feel like we feel a lot of sympathy for her and um, which will come up as we go on. Um, but before we get there, I also wanna say, I think Alison Brie is also hot. I don't know about you. Alison Brie, because um, she was also in a show around the same time Parks and Recs called Community. Yeah. She has also evolved so much. Um, and in this movie, you kind of see her in just this like bitchy role, but she does it so well. And it, it's just kind of, you're kind of scared of her, but you still like her. That's how yeah, I feel anyway. I do too. I think that she, I don't, Alison Brie, I think is very versatile actress. Like she can do, she can be funny and she can be a bitch at the same time. And I just, I think she's so talented and she's really Perfectly cast in this movie. Perfectly yeah. cast. Yeah, definitely. And I like the little um, uh, cameo appearances by Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme from Drag mm -hmm. Race. And they, that was they, really fun. <laughs> they were so great at doing the drag performance at the at the the show in town. It was so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at that bar. Oh, that scene. Like as I was, I kind of rewatched the movie recently, and I was like, I miss bars. I miss them. <laughs> yeah. I miss going to drag shows and being silly and singing songs. That scene in the bar, though, was a little dicey because I felt like we were veering into a territory that um, I, Kristen Stewart needed to be the hero in this movie. Like, we're seeing this movie through her eyes. She's the wronged party because her um, girlfriend is a, a hot mess, I think is fair mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the part where we it almost looked like she was going to cross the line with Aubrey Plaza's character. And I was like, mm -hmm. don't do it! Don't do it! What did uh, you... I was I was screaming the opposite. I was like, do it, do it. Like, <laughs> I, like, like, you know, like when you take two dolls and you're just like, now kiss. <laughs> just like wow. that. Wow. I was like so excited. But you're right. For the story, it wouldn't have made any sense. It would have hurt everybody. And it would have just been all around bad. But from my personal point of view, I was like, please, please, please. <laughs> so Marissa, I'm going to ask you the question. At what point, if you were Abby, Kristen Stewart's character in this movie, when would you have bailed? When would you have called it a, the whole thing off? Uh, definitely the car ride. I think okay. I would have said, turn this bitch around. I am going home. I am not dealing with this. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, as a person who has also like been in a situation where my partner and I are pretending to be just friends, I mm -hmm. should have more sympathy, but I don't. <laughs> okay. So Marissa now would have been like, no, I've been through this. I ain't going to do it. We're going to, but like Marissa at the time probably would have been like, all right, I'll suffer through a little bit of this. Exactly. Yeah. Two I different think, versions of me. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with you. My first instinct is to say, get out of the car. Like I'm not going to like tr either turn this around or I'm going to get out here. You keep going. I'll see you in, I'll see you at New Year's. But um, 
I think though, because I know myself, I may have, as soon as Harper started doing the turnaround the morning after the invitation, I would have been like, what's going on here? Why are you being so shady? I don't think I would have yeah. gotten, I don't think I would have gotten to the point in the car when I, to even get to that point. You know what I mean? I would have been like, oh, it's something shady's going on here. I don't feel right about this. I'm not going. Yeah. Can I just comment on too, like how you go from having this like magical evening and being so swept up that you forget this enormous lie that you've been telling your partner like in the moment and then you just decide to put yourself in this crazy situation right, <laughs> like, like was she drunk I don't know right like you so badly want your girlfriend to have a good Christmas so you invite her to potentially the worst Christmas she's ever gonna have yeah like are you insane I don't know well, she we might can, have been. we'll probably talk about how Harper is insane throughout the whole time well, we're talking. I feel like that's the whole point I mean I think we're if we're going to talk about like the dislikes of this movie we have to just kind of talk about the fact that uh, Harper is written to be, uh, she's not a great person in this. I think she's, you know, she's broken. She has her own family issues when it comes to like, she has to be perfect for the sake of her dad who's running for mayor, yada, yada, yada. But like, she's putting a lot of people through a lot of misery, including mm -hmm. herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, simply because, yeah, she's trying so hard to think about everybody that she thinks about nobody. Right. Yeah. And I think that the scene, why I'm bringing up Connor again, is that she spends way too, for someone who, you don't need to spend that much time with Connor by yourself at a bar to perpetuate this lie. At any point you could have left and it would have been perfectly acceptable, but I don't, like, what did you get swept up in? Do you have feelings for him? Why are you putting yourself in this situation for obviously Abby to get mad at you? Yeah, um, I definitely think that when you're self-destructing internally, you tend to lash out and make really stupid choices. So I guess that's kind of the only excuse I can make for Harper at this point is because she's just so like, um, she's just thinking so much that she just makes all of these really dumb decisions. Uh, like after the, like the morning after when she like pushes uh, Abby away and she's like, I think I need space. You're suffocating me. It's like, wait, what? You haven't even spent like any time together in this like the last three days we've been here. Right. That's for sure when I would have bailed. Like, I think I would have given um, my partner the benefit of the doubt to get to the house and been like, all right, look, this, you're going through some stuff. If you're going to come out to them, I want to be here for you. Yes, maybe they're going to like me. Uh, I, I have to make a good impression, fine, fine, fine. But at that moment, that morning after, I would have for, for sure been, peace out, I'm calling my Dan Levy to come pick me up, I'm going home. Yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Like, who who just tells their partner, like, I need some space from you in my parents' house? <laughs> like, right? what? <laughs> That's a, such a bad host, honestly. Even, yeah. like, bad partner, bad friend, bad person. <laughs> for sure. Um, how did you feel, though, uh, like, the whole thing kind of comes to this conclusion with the older sister and the middle. So the older sister is Alison Brie, just found, just is basically being outed for being in a marriage that's falling apart. And then uh, Harper is being outed as a lesbian simultaneously. Like the two of them are going to out each other. How did you feel about the sister weaponizing the lesbianism as um, like... She, like, cause she attacked first. She was like, Harper's a lesbian. Like, how did you, how did that make you feel? Cause I don't know how I feel about the whole thing. I definitely think it was super messed up. I think for the sake of the story, the writers are probably thinking like, well, we have to have a breaking point at some point and this is how we're going to present it. But uh, 
I definitely think that's something really evil of someone to do, to, especially to your sister, and how toxic their family environment must have been um, to be in this point. At, I mean, I'm assuming they're somewhere in between like 25 and 30, maybe 35, uh, and just like be so toxic towards your supposed loved one, like how in front of everybody, like not, it's not, it's not like they're just having like a small intimate moment at home, like there's strangers in front of you yeah I feel like that regardless of how much you were fighting with your sibling in that moment I feel like that's still a very rough attack I mm -hmm. I think like I think of that if I was in Harper's situation um I, I would have not necessarily reacted the same way but I would have been crushed I think I would have run screaming from the house rather than but Harper's not that person she had to like go on the defensive um, yeah, she had to make it, the wound, even worse. Yeah, yeah. Do you, before we talk about that, do you think that the resolve of the movie is satisfying to you? Like, as far as, like, the family coming together, the relationships, that kind of thing? I think it's a movie ending. Like, there's yes. no semblance of real life in that ending whatsoever. Um, which I think it left, uh, I mean, from my small... Uh, anecdotal sample uh, left a lot of people unsatisfied uh, yeah. simply because it's like that never that would never happen like you can't just forget like and celebrate Christmas morning like it's nothing like Abby was severely hurt so was so was everybody the entire family like they had this major embarrassment um, and ev like it's just, it doesn't happen that way so it was unsatisfying to like a degree but mm -hmm. I think for the sake of the for the movie magic and happiness and all that stuff it was fine like yeah I, it was really near here there near for me I agree I think that the there's a there's in my head in my version of the script there is a scene or a couple scenes missing from when Harper and Avery make up in the parking lot to Christmas morning like there had to be some sort of a resolve in there where we're like I'm going to come back to the house. We're going to figure this out. These are the terms when we get back to the city. This is what we're going to do to like lay out our moving forward for this in order to justify how a year later when the movie wraps up that they're engaged. Because I feel like it would not have been that, like you said, pretty, like we're going to wrap it up in a pretty bow at the end kind of thing. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say is that uh, I have to disagree with you a little bit because lesbians kind of just work that way. <laughs> Oh, they, okay. <laughs> from my, my own experience, I, you know, I'm not the perfect person. And my wife has just been like, you know what, I forgive you after, you know, yelling at me or whatever. And, uh, and things move on. And, but they also make for toxic relationships where you get drunk a year later and you say, hey, remember that one time you told everyone you weren't a lesbian and right in front of me and broke my heart? Yeah, I remember. But that's toxic and no one wants to watch that movie. <laughs> Yeah, that is not the happiest season two, or the, yeah. the the second the second happiest season, or whatever, like the the Easter sequel. I don't know. We don't need that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think the resolve with Riley was satisfying though? Because Harper basically did the same thing to Abby that she did to Riley in high school, saying I'm not gay, she's the gay one, like that kind of thing. But here, Riley was the bigger person going up to Harper and being like, "Are you okay?" Like, and then we don't see. Uh, Riley again for the rest of the for the rest of the movie. Um, I definitely think that Riley's character is ten feet tall. Like she is such a big person for one befriending Abby and like 
telling her this all this you know I'm assuming traumatic thing that happened to her in high school and then on top of that still having to see this person at holiday events with her parents and just kind of like pretending like everything's okay and like that must have taken like a lot of growth therapy like on Riley's part so I think to me she's the hero but you know that's a, oh. that's a <laughs> you know that's but fair. yeah um so when she comes up to harper and says you know hey are you okay because that just shows like her own personal growth and then when she says merry christmas she you know she doesn't say apology except or anything that like, she just says merry christmas mm-hmm. so she's not necessarily um absolving harper of her wrongdoing she's just kind of saying i hear you have a good life goodbye yeah you know? yeah and i think she needed and obviously harper needed that because that's kind of what makes her go get abby at the at the gas station mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay that's i've been fair. tracking you <laughs> so funny docker <laughs> i've been tracking you it's like my favorite I love it. um and then then there's jane at the end who basically saves the family's money yeah <laughs> The, the the forgotten the the forgotten sister who wrote a fantasy novel that seems like this weird uh, pipe dream as she talks about it, but then she connects with Daniel Levy's character who is a book agent, and it was like, oh yeah, that obviously makes sense that these two are gonna like get into a business relationship together. I didn't even mm-hmm. see that coming until Christmas morning, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I love that part. I think it's so cute how like they even though he, yeah, he is a book agent, they still seem to develop a friendship over the world that she's created in her book. And he just seems so interested in it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I really feel that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just love that. I thought it was adorable. Um, should we, can we talk about Jane a little bit more though, for real quick? Uh, I just want to say like, she, she's definitely to me, the queerest character in that movie. She oh. is, she, she, I mean, yeah, she is straight and she is also straight in real life. And she was a co-writer of the, the film as well. But uh, I think Jane as a character, she is quirky and different. Her family treats her like a pariah most of the time. They make her do me- menial chores like fix the router and the printer and stupid stuff like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They make her feel like an outsider. And kind of being queer is that, being an outsider, versus Harper is the favorite. Like her father dotes on her constantly throughout the movie versus he treats Jane like crap. Uh, and then Jane though is regardless of all of that still loves herself in the end when her painting gets destroyed i cried by the way at that moment i did, I was I did too tears. and that painting was gorgeous it was beautiful yeah um she just says i like myself and like how how is that not queer because it's like being gay is just about you know coming out and then liking yourself and having other people accept you for who you are and like that's all she really wanted and yeah. i thought that was so beautiful that I- I didn't even think about it that way, but that's absolutely right. I loved when she, when the sisters were like finally confronting their father with like their imperfections. And she's like, I don't have anything, but I'm an ally. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. okay, Jane. All right. Yeah. I was, this whole movie was for that moment. And I'm, yeah. I'm really okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love Jane. She's great. Mary Holland is such a beautiful person. Do you think, Marissa, that this movie was always meant for Hulu or could it have been theatrically released? I think it could have, and it would have done really poorly in the box office. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think that I would have gone to see it, and a bunch of other maybe niche people would have gone to see it. I think if it was theater released, though, it definitely would have gotten some backlash from, like, 
the you know people on the right more conservative people because it was going to be in you know theaters it yeah. probably would have gotten some kind of flack um, but luckily we avoided that because those people have too much to care about right now than a little uh, lesbian movie on hulu so yeah i like i said i don't i don't disagree i think that this movie had its place on Hulu. I do think, though, that we are getting to the point, though, that we're going to see a movie like this be widely released at Christmas within the next five years. I think we're. I think we're at that point. I think Daniel Levy might even write it. Like we're there. You know that it's gonna. It's gonna happen. I think we're just. We're almost there for not playing secondary characters anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. You know. Um, I can't wait to see how you know gay people are presented in, in major movie productions in the coming years because i think you're right i think people want to see themselves reflected uh, and that's kind of what it's all about in movies and like that's why we go to watch them right to connect mm -hmm. to the stories and um more and more people that more people who are writing those stories are gay you know or like even more diverse more, more more black people are writing stories you know asian people are writing stories like it's it's becoming more reflective of who we are as a society versus just like what we see in olden days you know yeah no i in olden days in the, <laughs> in the, in the 90s in the 90s you know what i mean you know what <laughs> totally, i'm saying totally totally i'm I, I you know to me olden days right now is two the year like 2000 i'm ready to move on <laughs> <laughs> like, the olden the days future to, is now. The, the olden days to me feels like 2019 when it was like a pre, exactly. a pre, a different world like nine, tw uh, like nine months ago. Like ugh. exactly, I exactly. I I tell my wife all the time. I'm like, didn't we do this like last year? And she was like, no, honey, that was in February. And I was like, oh man, oh man. 2020, the one year that feels like ten. Oh, so mm -hmm, nuts. Mm -hmm. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for uh, sharing part of your holiday with me. Oh, no, I miss you so much. This is such a lovely conversation. You know, I love talking about lesbians. You can always call me anytime. <laughs> you are my lesbian correspondent at this point. I love it. On the 11th day of Christmas, my true love came to me. 11 pipers piping, 10 loads of leaping, 9 ladies dancing, 8 maids and milking, 7 swans are swimming, 6 geese are laying, 5 golden rings, 4 calling birds, 3 French hens, 2 turtle doves, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Thanks again to Rachel and Marissa for joining me, and to all of you guys, thank you so much for tuning in for the past year, uh, for my first year doing this. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, and I really appreciate your loyalty for my friends who joined me on this, and for any new friend I made along the way. I hope you come back and listen to me again next year. If you want to keep in touch, of course, there's Twitter. The handle is This Week in Abs. The email address is thisweekinmensabs at gmail.com. And This Week in Men's Abs is the Instagram handle, which also has all of the pictures of the guys we talked about. And my own personal Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Truman Jasper. Thank you again so much. And here's hoping everything goes back to semi-normal. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year.